0: Good morning, everyone. I even heard the kids. Praise the Lord. I'd like to take this time to welcome you all to the Village Church, but i also like to do a special thanks for having worthy Redeemer in the building today. Let's give them a hand clap of praise.
1: Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Now is the time for our announcements. Welcome to the Village Church where our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and esteem Christ's love. If you can, please take uh, scan, um, scan the code. It's QR code. Well, they're normally on our programs, but our administrator is out sick, so you can pray for her. But, uh, yes, scanning the QR code allows you to um, connect to all online information about our church. The giving of tithes and offering, along with our social media platforms, in all one pla- in one place. Guests, please click on the menu item for the TVC, TVC guest forms. At the Village Church, we believe that giving and tithes offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and the mission of the church online. Or, in the back of the church, you may mail a check to our address, 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. Thank you so much. These are your announcements. Please govern yourselves accordingly.
2: To worship. Our call to worship this morning is from Psalm um, twenty-four, verses seven through ten. Please join with me where those people and all. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors. Majestic is your name, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. We have come into this place to praise you, to glorify you, to crown you with many crowns because you are worthy of that. And then, some we don't have enough words to praise you, we don't have. We just don't have enough. We don't have uh, adequate language to describe how majestic and wonderful and lovely and gracious and kind and beautiful and fantastic and awesome and awful and loving and divine and holy and pure and just and righteous and sweet, and true, and noble. You really are. Lord, we thank you. Thank you that we can come into this place as a body of believers to just give you what little we have. Thank you that we can come in here and do this practice run today, this practice for eternity when we will have all the words. And we will have all the songs. And we will be totally in awe. And we won't be distracted. And all we can do is say, Holy, 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 holy. Holy, holy, holy. Worthy is the Lamb. Thank you for loving us. Jesus, thank you for coming the first time. And thank you for leaving us with hope promise that you're coming again to make all things new, to fix all things. Father, help us as we wait in the now and the not yet. Help us to look up and remember that you are our joy. Spirit, bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seen.
3: Morning family. Our Advent reading this morning comes from second or no first Samuel. First Samuel 7, um, verses 1 through 11 and 16. So the men of kiriath Jerim went up and took up the ark of the Lord. They brought it to Amenadab's house on the hill and consecrated Eliezer, his son, to guard the ark of the Lord. The ark remained at kiriath Jerim. No, it is second Samuel. Oh no. Bummer. <laughs> okay. Pastor Alex, you're really grateful right now. Okay, 2 Samuel 1-11, 16. Here we go. This is God's promise to David. After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of the Lord God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. this is what the Lord God Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all of your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own, and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the, be- at the beginning. And have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from my enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. We relight the first candle, the candle of hope and expectation, recalling God's promise to send a Savior. And we relight the second candle, the candle of preparation and peace, remembering the voice crying out in the wilderness, Prepare you the way of the Lord. We relight the pink candle of proclamation and joy, reflecting on the joy that the shepherds felt at the birth of Jesus. And now we light the candle of love and the Christ candle may we rejoice in the endless love that God has for us, which is made apparent in the birth of his son.
2: Please stand with me. for the scripture reading. <laughs> Sorry, to have the notes in front of me.
4: <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Our scripture reading today comes from John 10, verses 1 through 18. The words of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So, Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life. For the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Jesus, I just thank you for who you are, for your life and for your death, that you invoke the name I am and no one else other than God can use that name. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the door, that you're the way for us to God. And thank you that you're the great shepherd, that you lead us into that door and guide us and direct us in all things. Jesus, we just remember that in the beginning was the Word, and that's you. You were with God. You were God in the beginning. All things came into being through you, and nothing that has come into being came into being apart from you. You are the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness but the darkness does not understand it and cannot overcome it. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you were the word. You are the word. And you became flesh for us. Jesus, we remember that you were in the very form of God. You existed with God. Yet you poured yourself out into the form of a bondservant for us. You laid down your life for the sheep because of our sin. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Let us not forget this during this time of Christmas, that yes, you did come into this world as a baby, but you existed before and you exist forever and ever and your purpose in coming was to lay down your life for the sheep. Father, I do pray for each person here today. Thank you for the joy that you bring us in this season as we unite with family as we think about and meditate on Jesus. But also we know that there are people who are suffering in our midst people that have lost loved ones, people that are having emotional, financial difficulties right now. We pray especially for them, that your hand would be on them, that you would give them a special blessing today, and draw them into your presence. These things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
5: We believe it? We can sing it. We can read about it. But do we actually believe Jesus is our everything? Good morning, TVC Saints and guests. Thank y'all for joining us on this Christmas Eve Sunday. And a special welcome to our brothers and sisters from the Redeemer Church. We're glad to have you all with us today. So thank y'all for joining us. This is the fourth Sunday of Advent. And remember Advent means coming. During Advent, Christmas, during Advent, Christians around the world celebrate Jesus' first coming and anticipate his second coming. So we celebrate and we also anticipate. We're going to do that today by looking at another I am statement from Jesus. It's found in John chapter 10 verses 1 through 10. just John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. The title of this sermon is The Door. The Door. Jesus is the door. He's born into this world as the door. But do y'all believe it? Please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as we come to the preaching of the word, will you please continue to minister to our hearts and to our minds? Will you please grant us the the understanding that we need? You know the things that we're facing. You know the things that we've been dealing with this week. I pray that each of us will receive from this message the things that we need to receive. The encouragement, the correction, whatever we need today from the word of God, I pray that you will supernaturally do it in and through us. It's in Christ's wonderful name I pray. Amen. On one uh, Sabbath day, while walking the streets of Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples see a man uh, sitting down on the street and they notice a few things about this man as they get closer and closer to him they they see that that he's begging other people for assistance and and they see his blindness in fact this man was born blind blind from birth and do what do, and do y'all know what that would mean for this particular man he's utterly dependent upon others for help He has never seen the sunset, has never seen his parents' face. I want each of you to close your eyes for a moment. Just for one moment, close your eyes. Everything's dark, right? And that's how this man has been navigating his life, in complete darkness. You can open your eyes now. Jesus sees this this image bearer sitting on the side of the road, blind and and begging. He he sees him, and he doesn't just pass him by. No, Jesus, he does something about this man's physical condition. He does something for him, uh, for God's glory. The man is completely healed of his blindness by Christ. A miracle is performed on the streets of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And then word begins to spread about this healed man, and and soon he is brought before some of the religious leaders of the day, and he shares with them how this man healed him of his blindness, but these leaders refused to believe the blind man's testimony. And eventually they had enough of him, and they kicked him out of their presence. In this situation, it it leads Jesus into another confrontation with these religious leaders. And and so who are these leaders? They are the Pharisees. The Pharisees. And our sermon text today is Jesus' response to their actions in John chapter 9. He uses a figure of speech in in verses 1 through 5. It's a metaphor taken from everyday life. It's a metaphor taken from shepherding life. And Jesus plans to make a strong contrast between himself and the Pharisees. A clear distinction between him and the religious leaders of the day. What is a sheep pen? Does anyone know what a sheep pen is? I can't hear you, do what? Yes. Yes. Thank you, whoever said that. A sheep pen is a roofless and doorless enclosure in the open country in which flocks are herded into at night. It's a round stone structure built by piling stones on top of each other. And these were common structures all around the first century in which Jesus was doing ministry. And one scholar writes, the herd that arrives at that first are free to shelter by night in one of these freestanding stone structures with no roofs or doors. The only vulnerable spot once the sheep are inside the sheepfold is the entrance. It's at, it's across the entranceway. You see, this doorless entranceway is the right way to enter and to exit the sheep pen. A shepherd always enters the sheep pen through the front door. Can I get amen, please? And if you're not a shepherd, anyone who isn't a shepherd, They try to sneak into the sheep pen through the back door. If you're at home, do you expect your guests to come through the front door or to try to get in through the back door? The front door. Through the front door. So the person who isn't a shepherd, they're going to try to get in another way. They're like climbing over the walls. And Jesus says, such a person is a thief or a robber. So is Jesus a thief or a shepherd? It is the Pharisees, or they shepherds, or thieves. Who enters the sheep pen through the front door, and who will enter the sheep pen through the back door? So remember the contrast that, that Jesus is, is making in here in the shepherding metaphor. So he begins the metaphor with a double truly, truly, which is a statement that lets the, the Pharisees know, hey, the words I'm getting ready to say are very important. So put it this way. When your parents call you by your full government name, is that ever a good thing? It's a problem. Alexander Myron Shipman, if my mama ever said that, that's a problem. So Jesus is saying, hey, listen up, guys. He says, truly, truly, I, I say to you all that, that you here is plural, so if Jesus was southern, it would be y'all. So truly, truly, I say to y'all, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his his sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all out his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow. They will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. In verse 6, John provides commentary on this metaphor shared with the Pharisees. John says, this figure of speech Jesus spoke, used with them, but they did not understand what Jesus was saying. The metaphor is to them and for them, but yet they didn't understand it. So in verses 7 through 18, now we're only going to get through verses 7 through 10, I tried, saints, I tried to get through all 18. I just couldn't do it. So in verses 7 through 18, Jesus makes a pivot. He repeats the metaphor in a more explicit way, explaining and expounding on the metaphor, making it clear that he's the good shepherd, not them. He's the right spiritual leader, not them. They're thieves, not him. The sheep are his, not theirs. So Jesus repeats the metaphor with more details and direct application. He, but he begins by combining the double truly, truly with the emphatic I am statement. And that statement is used twice here in verses 7 and 10. He expounds on verses 1 through 5, particularly on the door metaphor and the doorkeeper metaphor. Metaphors. Look at verse 7. He says, truly, truly, I say to you all, I am the door." Of the sheep. In the red letters, it would mean, I am the door of the sheep. In the Greek, it would mean, I am the door of the sheep. In your commentaries, it would mean, I am the door of the sheep. There's some things you don't need the commentary for. It's just clear. It's clear. That's to the point. But there's also something new that's not mentioned in the first five verses. The door is mentioned, yes, doorkeeper is mentioned, but nothing is mentioned about an actual person being the door. Jesus is the door that the sheep walk through to enter the sheep pen. And remember, a sheep pen is a roofless, doorless enclosure made of stones. There's really no door. There's no door frame. It's just an entranceway. So how can Jesus be a door for the sheep? What does it even mean for him to be a door? One biblical scholar writes, Our previous discussion on sheep pens emphasized that most enclosures were lacking both a door and a roof. One way to ensure that the sheep remained in the pen, especially overnight, was to have the shepherd lay across the open threshold, thus literally serving as the door. Do y'all know what this is? happening here. Jesus lays across the open threshold of the sheep pen as both the door and the doorkeeper. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is the front door. In fact, he is the only door. The only door in is through Jesus. It's unlawful to enter into the sheep pen another way. How or are you trying to bypass Jesus to enter his sheep pen? How? How are you trying to get around Jesus while still trying to enjoy his blessings? How about this? Ministry can be used as a way to bypass Jesus. Your leadership in the church can be used as a way to get around him. The same is true for your gifts and talents. It's true for your role within your family and your relationships, on your job, on your sports teams, your dance teams, on your clubs. Let's just be real. None of us want to be sheep. Do you want to be a sheep on your job? Do you want, to be, do you want somebody to call you a sheep on, on your job? Or are you just a sheep? And, and think about it, any group that you're a part of and anything that you do in this life, when you navigate American culture, do you want, will you want to walk around with a shirt that says, I am a sheep? No, you don't. Why? Because sheeps are followers. They have to be led and told what to do. And we don't like that because we want to be the leader. Don't know no time for false humility. We want to be the leader. The one in charge. The one who sets the agenda. The one with the power and the authority. The one who makes the decisions. The boss, for real, for real. And some of you are passive-aggressive in the way that you do it. We want to be the door. We want to be Jack Nicholas on A Few Good Men, if we're honest about it. Just like the Pharisees want to be the door, that's what we want. You see, I don't think these leaders see themselves as sheep in need of a shepherd. The same is true for all the other Jewish leaders who come in contact or in conflict with Jesus, the scribes and the, the priests, the Sadducees, and, and even the members of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish Supreme Court. Like, none of them will consider themselves sheep because they are the leaders. They are the shepherds of the people. They are the door into the sheep pen. They are the doorkeepers, and they have the authority to let people in and to keep people out. In John chapter 9, John highlights a decision made by the Jewish leaders of this time. Now, it's a law that impacts the whole religious community. And I got to tell you, I don't think they called a congregational meeting uh, before they made this decision. John 9, says, for the Jewish leaders had already agreed that if anyone confessed Jesus to be the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue, i.e. sheep pen. Only someone who thinks they are the boss will make that type of decision. Remember what happened to the man hid of his blindness. Remember what the Pharisees did to him after questioning him over and over about Jesus. Back in chapter 9, verses 27 through 29, the healed man says, I have already told y'all, but y'all will not listen to me. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciple? Oh, they were offended by that. They said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke through Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. And so they cast him out, not just out of their presence. They kicked this guy out of the synagogue, the sheep pen. And so now in John 10, in verse 7, Jesus tells them, Truly, truly, I say to you all, I'm the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. These words are for the Pharisees and and all the Jewish leaders of the day. He is not talking about the prophet or John the Baptist. He's talking about this particular group. The current religious leaders of the day are unworthy shepherds who care nothing for the sheep. They're thieves who come to steal. And if necessary, they would kill and destroy. And guess what? They try to do that to Jesus. Did they not? They did. So what does this mean for us? You can become a thief whenever your ministry role and leadership become more important than you than being a shepherd of Jesus, sheep of Jesus. Whenever your role, pastor, elder, church leader, program leader, when that becomes more important to you than being a sheep of Jesus, you will eventually become a thief. Well, how is that, pastor? You're going to steal his glory. You're going to steal his credit. You're going to steal his honor. Thieves, we become thieves who try to build our own kingdom with his resources. Think about that. When we build our own kingdom, we build the resources he's given us. So you become a thief. Whenever we set ourselves up to be the door and the doorkeeper of, of our church and our and ministry and programs, we eventually become thieves. And if necessary, we will run over people, we will hurt people, we will bully people, and we will use people, people that we're in community with. Because you're the door. I'm the gatekeeper of the church program or the youth ministry. No, I'm the gatekeeper when it comes to Christmas decorations in the church. No, I'm the gatekeeper of the, of the songs that we sing. No, I'm the gatekeeper of the setup and takedown. I'm the one. It becomes all about you. Life can't be about you and Jesus. You see, one of these, one of the issues with these leaders is that they don't see themselves as beneath Jesus. They see themselves on par with him or above him. And that is a problem. One commentator says, if people are to bring other people into God's fold, they must first enter. These Jewish leaders all fail to understand that. They're to be sheep first. Sheep who enter the fold through Jesus. Every Christian leader is a sheep before he or she is a leader. And when that get out of order, you're going to be out of order. But do you believe that? Christian leaders are sheep who have been called and commissioned. So basically, Jesus is the shepherd and all y'all in the sheepfold. And when he sees someone who is called and qualified, he picks you out of the fold and makes you a leader. You don't become a leader and go into the fold. Leaders are called out of the sheepfold because you're still part of the fold. You just become an under shepherd. So we would never be the door. I'm sorry to disappoint you. We would never be the door. And we are not the gatekeepers of Christianity. There is only one door. That is Jesus. The Sanhedrin isn't the door. The Pharisees are not the door. The Jewish religious establishment isn't the gatekeepers. Presbyterians. Aren't the door. The Baptists aren't the door. Elders are not the door. Deacons are not the door. Church staff isn't the door. You can say amen. Women shepherds are not the door. How about this one? Republicans are not the door. Democrats are not the door. America is not the door. Israel is not the door. There's only one door into God's kingdom, and his name is Jesus, period. Not Jesus and, not Jesus in this, it's Jesus, period. For he says, I am the door. He didn't ask sheep this time, he just says, I am the door, period. Complete sentence. For anyone who enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus lays across the open threshold hold of the sheep pen, as both the door and the doorkeeper. And he doesn't restrict access. He has said, I welcome anyone and everyone to come and enter through me. (coughs) That's what Christmas is about. Everyone who comes through me will be saved. That phrase, will be saved, in the Greek is a future tense. In the Greek, it means that it, it will happen. It will come to pass. People who enter by Jesus will be saved by Jesus. That is a promise is going to happen without a shadow of a doubt. It is a guarantee. Yes, okay. <coughs> this phrase, will be saved, is also passive. But what's, what's special about that? Those who enter are not saving themselves. They are being saved. That's a divine passive in the Greek. They are being saved. So if you try to enter by someone else, by your own goodness, by your own performance, your own productivity, you ain't getting in. You are only saved if you enter by Jesus. He rescues, he delivers, he makes you safe, he makes you a shepherd. He alone has paid the price for all your sins. And so to enter by Jesus means you gotta have saving faith in him. Okay? You gotta have saving faith in him. Not just knowing the Christmas story. It's more than just knowing it. It means you gotta surrender, you gotta rest, you gotta trust and depend upon him alone for your salvation. But do we and will we? When did Jesus heal the blind man in John chapter 9? On what day did he perform that miracle? The Sabbath day. The Sabbath day. One Christian scholar writes. The Sabbath stories in the gospel have been treated as examples of Jewish legalism versus Christian freedom. But that misses the point. The point is, as Jesus knew very well, that for the Jew, the Sabbath was the moment when every week the age to come would appear in advance in the midst of the present age. Thus, even in the outgoing world of sin and death, one might live for the day in the promised new age of blessing and healing and forgiveness. The Sabbath function, like the temple, is a sign and a foretaste. The temple was a sign posed to God's ultimate intentions to fill the whole world with his presence. The Sabbaths were an advanced glimpses of the age to come, the future somehow nesting dangerously in the present. Jesus, saints, is the door into what the Jewish Sabbath represents. He is the fulfillment. Jesus is the door by which we enter into the already and not yet of God's kingdom. He brings the age to come into the present age. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. You know, that's present tense. That's not saying, well, I have come so that you can die and have life and have it abundantly. I have come so that right now, in this age, right now, you may live and experience a flourishing life. And they're already and not yet. So he gives to his sheep a surplus, a rest, provisions, and freedom. A surplus. So if you are a sheep within his sheepfold, you're never going to lack. In Christ, you have freedom from shame, guilt, condemnation forever. Do I need to pull out the amen sign? In Christ, if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, you have freedom from shame, sin, condemnation, and guilt right now. But do you believe it? There's freedom to make mistakes and to fail. There's rest for your soul and your mind. There's provisions to live without fear because nothing in all creation will separate you from God's love that is in Christ. That is life more abundantly. For some of you, you're seeking a life that that only can be found in Christ. And you're going to always be disappointed because you're not, you are going to remain restless until your heart find rest in him. Relationships ain't going to do it. Success won't do it. Power won't do it. Money won't do it. Stuff won't do it. Your family can't do it. Only Jesus can give you a true Sabbath rest And where you come. In Christ, there's green pastures for us. Well, Pastor, what are these green pastures? Forgiveness, repentance, acceptance, hope, peace, love, joy, grace, mercy, redemption, healing, working all things to your good. And you talk about, that's Christmas. That's Christmas. Jesus. Is the shepherd of Psalm 23. Do you believe it? Jesus is our shepherd. We shall not want. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though we walk through the valley of shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Why? For Jesus is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. But do we believe it? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that everything that we need in this life to live a flourishing life is bound and found only in you. Thank you for what we are celebrating as Christians. Not just Christians in Huntsville, but Christians around the world are celebrating the birth of the God-man. Birth of the sacrificial lamb. Birth of a child who will make all things new. Birth of our king. So in the midst of all the celebrations, the eatings, and the gifts, help us not to lose sight of the greatest gift that that could ever be given to us is Jesus. Because it's through his life, death, and resurrection that we actually have life and have it more abundantly. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. We are pleased stand saints as we close our service. Sunday service with us. Thank you, Patience. Thank you so much, Patience. Family and friends, a worthy redeemer, thank y'all so much for being with us today. It's a great to have y'all with us and I hope each of you have a Merry Christmas uh, tomorrow. Now here's God's benediction to his beloved sons and daughters. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good thing that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Please greet one another, saints.